to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. And welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick. And as always, we like to talk about things related to business continuity, disaster planning, crisis management, emergency response, and anything that can be related to uh, preparing ourselves for unexpected events. Uh, I w- would like to remind everyone, if there is a topic you would like us to address on the show here, uh, please feel free to send me an email uh, on the homepage uh, on um, Voice America on my show's homepage, there's a little button there that says uh, send host an email or a message. That'll come straight to me. Send me your idea, uh, your topic idea, or um, you know, send me a note saying, hey, I'd like to be on the show to talk about you know, X, Y, Z. You know, and I'll get in touch with you, and we'll see what we can do and get you on the show. And for those uh, that are in the Toronto area, just a reminder, even though um, this will be airing during the uh, conference, uh, please feel free, come by and see me. I will be at the Continuity and Resilience Today conference, or CRT, in Toronto, May 29th to 31st. Uh, I'll be walking around, I'm sure, with microphones and uh, asking people lots of questions and recording little segments here and there. But feel free to come by and see me. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, that way we can get you on the show and uh, talk about what you want to talk about. So now that that's out of the way, let's get to today's exciting topic. We're going to talk about dealing with our partners and our suppliers. And those can be upstream uh, partners or downstream, you know, people that provide us services and goods or people that we uh, send our uh, services and goods to, you know, they could be our purchasers, they could be people that sell our product for us, you know, or people we work with to create our, our product and service. Sometimes it's not the easiest thing. No, no organization works alone and does it all alone. We all have business partners, you know, and even companies that think, you know, they, they work alone in isolation, they still have people come in and do the cleaning. They still have people come in, maybe work cafeterias, you know, water the plants, security groups, property management groups. You know, and they need all of those to operate. They may not directly help produce your product or service, but they're in the background helping make sure that you can focus on what you need to and they're taking care of some of the other tasks in your, your facilities. So you, no matter what, you're always dealing with somebody. And that can mean as well, you know, working with third parties such as disaster recovery service providers. You know, I'm not going to name them uh, on, on the air, you know, unless they want to pay for some sponsorships. But there are some companies out there that do that and provide that service for many organizations around the globe. You know, you need to understand them and work with them as well. You know, as a good example would be a few years ago, well, it would be guess more than a few now, it would be uh, back in March 2011 with the Japanese earthquake. When that happened and the tsunami hit, you know, Toyota that makes specific parts in Japan couldn't make those parts anymore. So many plants around the world were going down to one shift or closing plants temporarily until Japan could get back up on its feet. 
and get these parts made and shipped and sent back over to North America or wherever they were going in the world, you know, a, including a, a plant that's uh, just down the road from where I live here in Guelph, Ontario, Canada. Just down the road uh, on Highway 401, there was a Toyota plant that actually had to cut back on shifts. So people found themselves out of work for a while until that happened. And this was an event that happened in Japan on the other side of the world. But you can still be impacted. And sometimes when you're creating uh, these partnerships uh, or already have them, you kind of want to know how they are dealing with their own uh, business continuity programs and disaster programs. You know, you want to find somebody uh, that knows what they're doing, that doesn't just come up and say, yeah, we'll be your partner, but they're not prepared for anything. You know, they they expose you to more risk. And in some cases, you may be trying to partner with them to reduce your own risk. You know, whether that be, you know, uh, the lack of business continuity or disaster capabilities in your own organization or community. But you want to make sure when you're talking to them that, well, if I'm if I'm going to try and address this risk that I have, they have the capabilities necessary. And I found in many times uh, talking with some organizations, you really get a glossed over answer. You know, how, how is your uh, disaster recovery or business continuity program? And you get this glossed answer, you know, shiny, oh, we're fine, we're, we're great, you know, everything's fine, we have people who do it. You know, and then they automatically move on to their marketing and sales spiels. Well, I don't like that. You know, I'm asking a specific question. You know, I, I'm not asking you a question about sales or marketing. I want to know what's happening in your program. You know, so you'll either get a, high, a glossed answer, you know, and or you may get, oh, we're not allowed to tell our uh, you know, uh, other companies, you know, about that until we have a signed agreement. Well, maybe, you know, having a signed agreement is dependent on you having, you know, that supplier or partner uh, having a good business continuity management program in place. And I know, and I have sat through sessions over the years where that is the case. There's a lot of questions. There's people want to know, what do you do? What don't you do? You know, do you outsource your own disaster recovery? You know, I may be looking to partner with, you know, ABC company, but ABC company uh, licenses, uh, not licenses out, sorry, ha- has a uh, got somebody else looking after their business continuity management program you know well i want to know that because i'm going to still look at abc company you know if there's a situation i'm looking at them i'm not looking at who their partner is you know further down the road you know no i'm just looking straight at a abc company do you have a plan program in place what are you going to do if you experience something or i experience something So today I've got a whole bunch of questions and considerations that you might want to either ask or investigate, uh, you know, have them document or have the ability to see when you're talking with some of these people. And it can happen at any time. You know, you, you could be partners with someone for a long time, you know, for years and years and still have no idea what they're, what they would do in a disaster, you know, what their program is, you know, or even if they have one. So, you can ask this anytime, you know, uh, it, it could be part of an audit, you know, with, with all uh, a lot of the regulations that are in place now, SOX, you know, um, different standards that are uh, out there now, ISO, 
business continuity, um, sorry, dis- yeah, business continuity institute, the disaster recovery institute. There's a standard in uh, Australia, New Zealand, the ANZAC. I know I've got my hands on one from Malaysia, and uh, the NFP PA sixteen hundred, and so many others. All of them, you know, have something to do with external partners on, to some degree, some are more in depth than others. But these are, what we're going to go through today is a bunch of things that you can approach these people about and try and get, you know, good responses for, you know, to, so you know you're choosing the right person. If I experience a disaster or they experience a disaster, we're covered. We can continue on, you know, depending on the situation, of course, but I think you get my meaning. So let's start at number one, and it's going to be a basic, simple question. Do you have a business continuity or disaster recovery plan program in place? Plain and simple, yes or no. You know, people may dance around the answer a little bit, but you either have one or you don't. You know, if you've got a a half a program with bits and pieces in place, well, you don't really have a full program. All you've got is a couple of little bits, you know, uh, and that's it. Yeah, we can evacuate our building, or we have a call tree, you know, or we just stop. We don't don't do anything. We just wait for the situation to kind of uh, play itself out. You want to know if they have a program. And we all know, for at least many of the listeners right now, know that programs are not just a simple you know, we have a business continuity plan in place, you know, or we can rebuild our technology. No, it's much bigger than that. You know, you have a maintained program, a mature program that has, you know, reviewed uh, BIAs, however they are performed or whatever manner of BIA you use. Uh, We have our business continuity plans. We have our communication strategies and our disaster teams in place. We have... uh, exercises and tests, you know, and everything's documented. We have a, uh, an annual review of, you know, whatever the plan may be, evacuate the buildings, you know, we have agreements, we have whatever in place, you know, the whole program, do you have it? Yes or no? If they're dancing around the answer, then the answer is no. Or, you know, they're, they're trying to uh, pull the wool over your eyes to make it seem as though they do when they may not. If they say yes, then some of the further things I'm going to go through, you're going to start asking. Oh, you do? Okay, well then, you know, and you follow through with other questions. If they say no, then to me it's huh, right off the bat, they may start falling down the list of, uh, you know, a, a, a viable partner that I want to work with. The next thing I like to ask is, have you ever experienced a major business disruption, disruption and how did you handle it? Sometimes that can be tricky. Let's admit it. You know, not everybody wants to admit they've had a problem. Uh, but if they, let's say there's something like the blackout, you know, back in 2003, I think it was, you know, along the East Coast uh, of North America and uh, Canada. If they experienced that and they went through that, they may be able to say, hey, yeah, that was, you know, an example and this is what we did. You know, this is how we communicated. This is how we continue to operate or not, you know, dep- depending on what, what they do and, you know, what, what it is uh, that happened to them. But if they experienced it, you kind of want to know how to manage it. You know, I 
during that same blackout, I'll stay with that example, I worked for a large human resources company that's global, and we had generators and batteries and all kinds of backup systems everywhere, an alternate site, uh, but with a blackout so big, you know, wasn't really a lot we could do. However, because we had the batteries and gas generators, uh, diesel generators in place, we were able to get a hold of a friend of one of our uh, directors at the time. I think he's now the vice president there, but directors who got a delivery of extra diesel so that we could run all of our uh, applications and servers and everything could keep going. And we were able to process all the things that needed to get done. And we had them all done on time. We didn't miss any deadlines. You know, a lot of our partners could not receive them because they weren't in such a, a good position to, to take all these files that we had to send them. But we didn't miss anything, you know, because we had a very mature program in place. And hats off to anyone uh, who knows what company I'm talking about that uh, I was working with. You know, uh, congratulations again to everybody there. That was a really fantastic, great win for everybody. But you want to know if the people you're talking to can say the same things. You know, if they had a fire in the building, you know, what did they do? You know, yeah, we had a fire. Um, we ended up stopping operations for three weeks until we got up and running. Uh, well, that kind of tells you they didn't have something in place, right? So your first question, if they said, yes, we do, it better be as a result of, you know, that first incident. Good, you learned your lesson. Now you're doing something about it, hopefully. Next, I like to ask, what were the long-term impacts to your organization? You know, what, what, what happened? You know, as a result, you know, you got up and running really quick. Great, kudos to you. But what happened? How did you manage that? You know, oh, we lost a bunch of clients. Why did you lose a bunch of clients? You know, um, customers, uh, you know, overloaded our phone systems and um, started canceling their accounts because we couldn't do X, Y, Z. You know, you you want to understand what what their vulnerabilities are. Again, you don't want them to gloss over anything. So, you know, you want to know how their organization managed the situation, you know, and, and what were the long-term, you know, impacts to that. You know, some companies, um, I remember one, uh, I wish I could remember its name right now, but it just popped in my head as I was talking. There was a beverage company I know that had problems, I think it was in the San Francisco area many years ago, and they had some issues and eventually, because they managed the situation well, and I believe some, some people unfortunately um, uh, died because of the uh, problem that, ha- that happened, they managed it well. They eventually got back to where they were. Has that happened with the people that you're talking to? Have they been able to do that? Or are they still lagging behind trying to catch up on the, the problem they experienced maybe years earlier? The next question do you validate your business continuity plans or disaster recovery plans, you know, on a regular basis? And that includes evacuations, you know, emergency response. If they have some sort of a call tree notification system, whether it be manual or, um, uh, autom- you know, an automated system, you know, an application or both, you know, sometimes the, the automated system might not work. So you want to have a backup in place just in case, you know, do you, do you validate that stuff? And by validate, we, obviously mean test, you know, test or exercise it. 
some tests you may do on an annual basis. Uh, others, you know, big simulations you may do every two years because of the resources you know, that are required to pull that off. You know, and needing to book time in so many people's calendars ahead of time. You know, executives, uh, users, uh, other vendors and suppliers. You know, that need to to participate and be in that. You know, but how often do they do it, or do they even do it? You know, it's one thing to have a continuity and plan in place, but never validate that it actually works, that we can use it. And that doesn't mean you know, uh, by a business continuity plan, I mean has every kind of detail under the sun in it because no one's going to follow it. <laughs> you want it action-based and easy enough, simple enough that everyone can follow it. You know, um, how often did you validate that? You know, have you found gaps in your plan when you're, you're exercising and what do you do about it? The, I have uh, seen situations, people have identified gaps, you know, on a sticky note, they'll, they'll just kind of put it on the binder. Oh, do this. Close the binder, nobody ever sees it again until the next exercise or when something happens and they can't read or understand what it was they wrote on the, the sticky. So, you know, you want to validate and do something about that. You know, uh, it's kind of like a lesson learned. You know, you, you've done your, your exercise uh, or your test. Now you want to know, you know, what do we need to do to bring this up to our plan up to par based on all the things that we found, you know, all the errors and omissions, you know, create an action list. This is what needs to be happening. This is what we need to change, amend, you know, and put a time frame and assign uh, responsibilities so that it gets updated, placed wherever it gets placed, distributed to whoever receives it. And then when you have the next test or a time when you need it, it is up to date. There's no question about it. So we've come to the end of our first segment. We're talking about dealing with our external partners and suppliers in business continuity and disaster recovery, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. 
Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Today, we're talking about business continuity and dealing with our partners and suppliers. And we're talking about the different questions that we want to ask our partner, potential partners or suppliers or even our existing ones sometimes. You know, um, sometimes regulations change, our business processes change, uh, you know, different things. You know, head office comes down with a new regulation or something we need to follow, a new process, and we have to approach everybody and find out, okay, what's happening with your business continuity program, Mr. Supplier, or, you know, Miss um, Producer, you know, what what is happening? You know, where do you stand in your own program? So we've gone through a few couple already. And let's continue on. So the next thing I like to ask everyone is, do you have dedicated resources with assigned roles and responsibilities to address disruptions, you know, or incidents, crises, disasters, whatever you want to call them, you know, when they occur? So there's two parts to that. One, do you have a dedicated resource with assigned responsibilities who looks after the program? You know, they, they are the one that facilitates and documents all the results from, you know, developing contingency strategies and maintaining those plans um, to housing them, to distributing them, or whatever the case may be. And then those that are part of uh, crisis management teams who hopefully are part of validation exercises and tests, but aren't on the program on a day-to-day basis. You know, is the dedicated resource part-time, you know, or full-time? Part-time, I mean, you know, they're still a member of your organization, but they have other responsibilities within the organization. And let's face it, some of those responsibilities will always trump the, you know, the business continuity stuff because their day-to-day responsibilities are exactly that. They need to take care of them every day. Business continuity sometimes will slide, Right, it, we all know it gets put on the back burner quite a bit. It shouldn't, but we know it does. So you want to know: Do you have dedicated resources? You know, and you have one person or a couple of people in this uh, small little department or business unit, whatever it may be. You know, and where do they report? Are they on the IT side? Are they on the business side? If they're on the business side, you know. Um, and from experience, and I'm sure many of people have uh, experienced this, there's a lot more focus on the business continuity, less focus on IT. If they're on the IT side, there's a lot more focus on the IT side of things and less on the business continuity side. And you end up with this gap between the two where they never talk or hardly talk. So you want to know where these resources are, how many of them are there, and exactly what their role and responsibility is. 
once you understand that they have a program and they have resources, do you provide financial support to your program? Financial support, you know, isn't just uh, you know, paying, you know, if they have two people that look after the business continuity program. It's not they get a paycheck. Financial support um, can include, but not be limited to, you know, sending people on training. You know, are is there uh, licenses to use uh, communication applications, you know, or or software, you know, whatever the other software that may be used on by IT or business, you know, or only during a crisis, you know, whatever the case may be. I remember working at one company; they had a notification system that they used on their day-to-day operations, but they also had distribution lists, you know, that would also be leveraged during a crisis, you know, or some kind of an incident, so that there didn't have to be multiple or competing initiatives going on. The same tool was used by the same group, you know, just the distribution was different. So find out if you have financial support. The financial support will also include if you're dealing with some of the third-party uh, disaster recovery business continuity vendors that are out there, you know, having uh, contracts with them to help restore your systems or provide an alternate site or, you know, uh, just a place, a, a worker place for your users to go. You know, not everybody can work at home, depending on what they do. So can they go to these other places? Do you have contracts like that? Do you provide the department financial resources to be able to do those kind of things. If they don't provide anything like any financial support, then the chances are a lot of what the resources are doing are kind of being manual and uh, managed manual because they don't have, and they don't have the financial ability to get the tools they need to help them with what it is they want to accomplish. Next is, um, do you have senior management or executive management uh, sponsorship for your program. So does somebody at that table, you know, the board table, or as I like to call it uh, affectionately, mahogany row, somebody in mahogany row who supports what you do. And let's be honest, support isn't just, I, you know, yeah, I like what you do, and then you never see them. You know, you only see them once a year when maybe you have some sort of an awareness thing come on and they you know, parade themselves out, you know, give themselves a pat on the back. Yeah, I support this. And then you never get time at the table to give an update. They're never there to help you, you know, resolve issues and get um, your roadblocks that you're experiencing out of the way, guide you or provide any kind of uh, helpful information to keep you uh, moving forward and helping mature, you know, your program. You know, that's different. You know, you want to know if there's somebody who really supports that does talk to you. You know, you meet with them once a week, once every two weeks, once a month, you know, uh, give a presentation to the executive team, you know, uh, quarterly, to, you know, depending on whatever their schedule is. And that person's right there. You know, they're on the agenda. They're helping you, asking you, what do you need my help with? What do we need to do to make this better? You know, you want that kind of support. You know, that's the kind of support that has buy-in. There's a difference between support and buy-in. Support is like the first one I said where they you know, just kind of, yeah, here you go, fine, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, but then you never see or hear from them the rest of the year until awareness comes around. And buy-in is the one who's supporting you with the financial resources. They're meeting with you. They're asking for status reports. They're helping you get rid of roadblocks. 
you know, so you want to know if your potential partner has somebody like that or is the entire organization like that. Hopefully somebody is. You know, it could be a risk manager, it could be the uh, the chief financial officer, could be, could be the president, right? And, you know, you don't know until you ask, but hopefully they've got somebody like that in the organization. You know, uh, I, I've been in places where uh, there have been executives, they, they support business continuity, yeah, they agree with it. And I was invited every, uh, the end of every month, I think it was the last Friday or something of every month where they had a, an executive meeting um, where they invited others outside of the executive team where they wanted updates. And I was invited to these meetings, but uh, you know, over half of them were canceled. Oh, we've got other more important topics. So I would go five, you know, five months, four months with no real support or guidance. You know, I knew what needed doing, but this isn't my organization. You know, I'm an external contractor. I can't go around telling everybody, thou shall do. This is what you have to, you know, uh, provide me. You know, if if people are pushing back, you know, I don't, I didn't have the authority uh, to be able to you know, say, uh, no, <laughs> you have to give this to me. And to get rid of that roadblock, I needed that executive support, you know, and buy-in to say, this is the issue that I'm encountering, you know, knowing not fully understanding your your corporate culture, because every organization is different, how best to deal with this person so we can get over this roadblock. This is what needs doing, and this is why it needs doing. You know, sometimes, if you're lucky, you can deal with people, you know, like that on your own, one-on-one, and resolve it and come to a, an agreement to that that's a win-win for everybody. But other times, you don't, and you need that executive person there to help. So you want to find out, do they have these executive support and, you know, sponsors in place that, you know, stand behind and, and uh, support the program? Uh, the next question, sometimes you may or may not get a response to. What is your basic response, restoration, and recovery strategy? I know from experience and from when being full-time and a contractor, not everyone likes to uh, communicate what they do. You know, they, oh, if if our main facility goes down, we're moving everybody to uh, X Y Z location in such and such a province or state. You know, and, and goes through you know exactly what they're doing. You know, uh, sometimes there's privacy or security concerns with that. You know, you don't want people to know that you have an external uh, site. You know, in the next state over. You know, not, not everybody wants people to know that. So you may or may not get a response to that. I know what you can do and what I have done in the past in a couple of locations. Um, and I remember the name of uh, one of the documents we had. It was called a, uh, what they called a client briefing document. And uh, for the most part, it was the sales group that used it because they were always talking with the new, you know, potential partners and things like that, you know, trying to sell their services and, and products. So if they were asked these questions, they produced this document. It was only three, four pages long. It was a bit on the generic side and a uh, high level, but it did provide enough to let, you know, a potential partner know that, yes, we do have an alternate site, but we're not going to tell you where. You know, we do have 
a communication strategy in place. You know, we're not naming who the uh, crisis management team members are or providing any of their contact information, but gave them uh, a high overview of, you know, we have strategies in place. We have a program in place. We do have dedicated resources. Some of the things I've already mentioned, right? Some of these questions. It's in this client briefing document. I know I have one somewhere um, uh, in my stack of templates and <laughs> things that I've got in a box here. Uh, but you you can use that when you get asked that question. You know, what's your strategy? Well, I can't tell you all the specifics, but I do have this. You know, and hopefully it outlines things at a high level so that you can uh, use that, you know, uh, to... Uh, potential clients and partners so they can see that okay you do have things in place we had uh, at one place there was one that dealt with uh, information security you know they couldn't give uh, specifics on you know exactly what they had in place and the tools they had in place but they had a two-page document that did outline some of the um, high-level strategies and, and things that they could do in place they had one for technology so if there was some sort of a situation um, that only affected technology, how did they deal with it? You know, what was in place? So they had a, a couple of pages that outlined that. And then we also had one for um, business continuity, which included you know, uh, emergency response and evacuation and, you know, first responders, um, you know, what, what we did, you know, in those areas. Again, kind of a, a bit generic and on a high level, but it was it wasn't just um, uh, how do you how do you say this? It wasn't just you know statements about it, you know, generic statements that you could find anywhere on on an internet search. All the statements, all the information did reflect what was going on in the program and what really was in place without getting into the specifics. So you can use that, you know, if you're ever asked that question, what is your basic response and restoration and recovery strategy? You can have something like that in place and hand that out. You know, the sales team can uh, give those out to their, their customer, potential customers and clients and partners. IT can do that with their potential IT people. Business units can use that with their business partners. And that's something that hopefully you get back from these other partners as well. Hopefully they can tell you, well, at a high level, this is what we would do. Or, you know, I can't tell you the, the specifics, but we do have this, you know, three, four page document or whatever the case may be that you can uh, review. And if you have questions, we'll answer them as best as we can, you know, so that it shows that you have something in place, you know, and it almost validates. It's a lot of the other questions that I've already gone through. So. Try and use, uh, and you can call it whatever you want. You know, I'm, I'm just using the name uh, of the uh, the document that we used at uh, a, a company that I worked with before, a client briefing document, you know, business continuity, you know, uh, disaster recovery client briefing document, whatever. It's up to you how you want to uh, use it, you know. But have something like that, and hopefully you get something like that. And the next one. Uh, actually, the next one is going to be a large one. So I think now is probably the best time to take a break because I know I could talk a lot about the next one. I know I've already touched on it, but uh, this next one I'm going to uh, make it a little bit bigger. So we're going to take a break now, 
And we're talking about uh, business continuity management and dealing with our partners and suppliers. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Divorce or domestic family issues can take their toll not only on the adults who are party to it, but also to their children. Sometimes separation or divorce are far better solutions than staying around a toxic relationship. Now there's a show that listens and provides solutions. Listen for Reclaiming Your Life with host Don Christensen. In this program, we discuss family crisis issues which can happen to anyone. Divorce with dignity is possible, and working together can achieve wonderful results. Listen Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Our humanity is a thing we take for granted, but it takes many forms, and it requires much of us to fully express it. Listen to On Living, The Trauma and Beauty of Being Human with host Dr. Leanne Nguyen. This program will explore topics about survival, fulfillment, hope, connection, being fully alive to ourselves and to others. Guests are people whose life experience inspires us to reflect on these questions. Tune into On Living, broadcasting live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. What defines your success? Is it success in your business? Success in your personal life? Is it more money? Is it meaningful relationships? How about your passion? Listen for Taking Care of Business with host David Wallach. David's guests share their challenges and what they did to overcome them. What if you can let your passion for success lead you to your success? Taking Care of Business is broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to the show. We're talking about business continuity management programs and dealing with our partners and suppliers. I've gone through quite a few things that you look for when uh, first approaching potential partners and suppliers or existing ones, depending if you need uh, information from them. And this next one, the I know I've touched on it already. However, there are I can talk quite a bit about this one. I even have a book published on it, so uh, I know I can talk a lot, a lot about it. So the next question I'd ask is, do you review your BCM DR requirements on a regular basis? So this isn't just validating that your documented continuity plans or IT recovery plans, uh, evacuation plans, you know, are, are in place. This is when you need to ensure that they include change management or whether it be IT change management or organizational change management, you know, which, which is, you know, people changing or processes changing, you know, uh, that that's taken into account. 
I have seen instances, and uh, sadly, you know, it causes tests to, well, identify gaps that uh, really shouldn't have been identified. You know, I could say, you know, cause test to fail, but, uh, you know, I always look at it if you've identified something when you're testing, that's a good thing because it's one less thing that's going to occur when a real situation happens. But you want to know, do you, do you maintain this stuff? Do you review it you know, on a regular basis? You know, uh, and how do you integrate that or business continuity management into those situations? You know, or they integrate or consider business continuity in their their uh, you know changes and things. If IT is installing new servers, um, new software, changing configurations, you know uh, addresses, you know MAC addresses or whatever the case may be, uh, if they've changed it as a result of a new project that is implementing, has that? change been reflected into the IT disaster recovery plan? If not, then your IT disaster recovery plan no longer reflects what you need, right? It's now detailing what you had before that implementation, not after. So, and, and this relates to project managers out there. You know, you need to make sure that does this, does our change, does our project impact anything else? You know, you want to know that they have a process that identifies stakeholders when they're making a change. And some of those stakeholders can be external. You know, if you're providing a product or service and you just implement a change and the the partner downstream or upstream has no idea that change is done, suddenly they may not be able to access um, files that you're supposed to be sending them or they can't send you files anymore because the address changed and no longer exists, you know. You want to know that these ideas and these processes are included. You know, they're 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 embedded. You know, they're, it's kind of like walking hand in hand. You know, they they're they're together. When a change is made here, it gets reflected over in the IT disaster recovery plan. There's an organizational change. You know, we've moved, uh, we've merged some processes. We aren't doing other processes. These departments are now uh, separated. Well, your your requirements, your your BIA, you know, whichever form you you take on using that, no longer reflects what the organization is or what it does or what it looks like. You know, it always reflects the old, you know, before the change. So you want to know, you know, do you guys consider this stuff? You know, uh, change management. You know. When, when you're going through change management, and if there's any change managers listening out there or anybody been involved with it, you know you get a, uh, either a project change request or a system change request um, that says this is what we're going to do, these are the impacted parties, this is the reason why we do it, here's how much it costs, this is um, you know, how long it'll take, here's the timelines to implement, you know, and so many other bits of information as well that, that it asks, right? You want to have confidence that in there it says, you know, this change also means that within 90 days of us implementing the IT disaster recovery plan will be amended to reflect this, right? So a lot of places may not be able to uh, provide documented proof of that, but hopefully, you know, with that client briefing document that I mentioned earlier, they can 
say that, yes, we do have this embedded, you know, that it's all part. It's everything happens. We, it works together. When a change happens here, you know, it gets reflected, you know, and if I was representing an organization, I, I would talk to the potential client and say, hey, when you come on board, this is what it means to our program. It means we review our business continuity, you know, plan to see if there's any change to it with you coming on board. We review our communication channels, you know, our distribution list to make sure you're a part of it, you know, all those kind of things, right? And, uh, you know, you see um, facilities. Uh, I know I, I take a train into uh, work every day and uh, there's a lot of construction going on and buildings uh, along the rail line you know are expanding they're either putting a new floor on or they're going off you know adding a new section to the building and those changes may make changes with your evacuation procedures you know if you're expanding a building maybe uh, further away from the building was your assembly location well now that the building is expanded you're going to change your you know assembly location because otherwise now the end of the building is right <laughs> where you would have been gathering well you can't gather there anymore you know, where are you going to go now? You know, so all those kind of things need to be incorporated into your plan, you know, and you want to know, do you guys do this? You know, and hopefully your own organization is doing these things as well, you know, but you want to know from the vendors, are they, or suppliers, you know, do you do this as well? You know, when you have a change, do you reflect that change in all your various plans from your risk assessments, your uh, BIAs, your uh, contingency strategies, your IT disaster recovery plans, your communications, your evacuations, you know, all your testing, even, you know, is it incorporated all together when the change is made? Uh, hopefully they say yes, you know, and uh, I know uh, as an example, um, I'm working on a program we are implementing in uh, just over two weeks, I think it is, and we have in our uh, plan that um, part of the company regulation is within a certain period of time, the business continuity plans get updated. However, before you go live, you already have to have what you'd call a straw man, you know, of ideas, you know, this is what we would do if there's a disaster, we would take our existing plan and add these couple of things to it. So you kind of have to have an outline of what you're going to do already. And that's in our checklist. You know, it has to be done before you can go live. If you're not going live or if you are going live and you don't have your business continuity or IT uh, DR stuff updated or ready to be updated, you've got to get executive sign off that they accept that risk. You know, and nobody likes to go through that because then you end up with executives asking lots of questions, right? So ask your suppliers, you know, do you have this in place? And a fun question I like to ask uh, people because sometimes you end up with all kinds of answers. You you end up with uh, fancy marketing answers, uh, you know, uh, political speak or legalese or sales, uh, you know, conversations, you know, and things that they always say, you know. But I would like to ask, what makes your program better than your competitors? And that always sets people on edge. Because if you're talking with ABC company, uh, potentially doing business with them, and you're talking with XYZ, you know, their competitor, you know, what makes ABC better than XYZ? You know, why should I come with you? And it's 
not just because of the product or service or, you know, that they have or, you know, costs and things like that. You know, obviously that comes into play, you know, it goes without saying. However, one's ability to recover and respond and manage incidents, whether there's been a lot of them, you know, whether they've had something major, something little, but their ability, you know, to uh, be able to respond to situations should be something in your list of criteria, you know, of why you would choose that person, you know, that company or, you know, XYZ community, you know, if you're changing, you know, locations, you want to know why are you better than someone else? You know, why should I choose you? And not, you know, as I say, don't let them go off into a marketing speech. Oh, it's because we have, you know, 10,000 employees and, you know, top quality, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, no, that's all crap. You don't want to hear that. You want to hear, choose us because we have this program. We have this ability. We validate this. We've experienced this. This is what we did about it. This is what we learned. This is what's changed. Here's how we're embedded in the organization. Here's our sponsor, right? It kind of almost addresses everything that we've gone through, you know, in these last uh, few segments. So if I ask them that question, some it makes some people, you know, chuckle. I know that because I've, I've seen people chuckle at it. And sometimes I, I, I laugh even asking the question, but I'm being serious about it. I want to know, you know, why, you know, when it comes to disaster recovery, business continuity, why should I choose you first? And if you've listened to the show long enough or enough episodes, there's one little hint. It's not the, you know, beginning and end all, you know, to, of, of making a decision, but there's all, it's always interesting to hear those that will respond about their technology capabilities, you know, uh, and, and this, the services they have and the products they have against those who will say, choose us because our program is built around people. You know, it's people that makes us strong. And if, like I said, if you listen to the show, there's been a lot of guests and myself who say the programs that focus on people first have the stronger buy-in. They're, they become more mature and they're better able to deal with situations, you know, for, on all levels. So it would be interesting to see what your potential partner uh, or supplier says when you ask that question, if one instantly turns to technology capability and one focuses on a people aspect instead. You know, and as I say, it's not the beginning and end all and the only decision that you, you know, criteria you would use to make your decision on going with them or not, but it's very interesting to hear that res- what response they're going to have. So those are the 10 questions that I tend to ask a lot of uh, potential vendors and suppliers. And, you know, I've sat in on meetings where, uh, you know, there's DR vendors and, you know, everybody's got different sites and locations and you have to try and compare the two together. But if you have the same questions that you ask everyone, hopefully the responses will help you make your decisions. But these are the ones I tend to ask. And it helps understand, you know, the maturity of an organization or community's, you know, response program and what what it is they deal with. So let's do a recap of of the the 10. Our our first question is, do you have a business continuity disaster recovery plan program in place? I think that's pretty basic. Everyone's going to ask that one, right? Do you have something? 
you know, and hopefully you get a good answer to that one. Number two, have you ever experienced a major business disruption and how did you handle it? Again, not everyone might want to give you specifics, but if they've had a situation, and my example was the blackout, you know, if you experienced that, what did you do? You know, how'd you manage it? You know, um, you know, if, if they were in the news and had a fire and you know that ahead of time and they still don't want to tell you, well, that kind of is a bit of a cause for concern, you know, how did you manage it? What did you do? You know, uh, everything played out on the news. So if they tried to dance around it, you know, yeah, there's got to be a problem here somewhere, but you want to know how they, if they had something and how they managed it and did they manage it well, you know, or did they kind of trip over themselves and, uh, make the situation even worse. So, and the, the number three, what were the long-term impacts of your organization? You know, how, how were you impacted long-term? Do you validate your program? You know, meaning testing. Do you have dedicated resources, you know, with roles and responsibilities, you know, uh, to take care of, you know, issues that you encounter? Do you provide financial support? You know, or are you provided, if you're the actual person in, in the department, are you provided financial support you know, to get the tools you need to, to make a strong program? Do you have senior manager or executive uh, sponsorship uh, support and or buy-in? Like I said uh, in an earlier segment, they're not necessarily the two, same two. What is your basic response and recovery strategy? Do you review, validate your requirements on a ba- regular basis? And what makes you better than your competitors? So think of those the next time you're talking to competitors and suppliers. And that's the end of our show. So I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Again, if you're in Toronto, May 29th or 31st, come and see me at the Continuity and Resilience Today conference. And if you have any topics that uh, you'd like me to talk about or a guest who should come on the show to talk about something, please feel free, get in touch with me, and we'll see what we can do. In the meantime, everyone, stay prepared. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.